So who's on today is probably one of the youngest gentlemen doing what he's doing at the moment. He is the creator of Master Talk, inspiring people to improve their communication skills, as well as helping coaches and consultants be the top 1% communicators in their industry, which is pretty awesome because communication skills are something that a lot of people lack with. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to let Brendan introduce himself a little bit, and then we're going to start asking him some questions. And we've got a few interesting questions, hopefully, to ask him in this podcast show as well. So take it away, Brendan. Let us know a little bit about you. Yeah, for sure, Chet. Thanks so much for having me on. So yeah, the nutshell is my name is Brendan Kumarasamy. I'm the founder of Master Talk. Master Talk is a YouTube channel I started to help the world master the art of communication and public speaking. And to your point, I also have an executive coaching practice where I train consultants, coaches, and execs on how to be amazing communicators. So yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, brother. All right. Thank you for that. So let me start by asking you, you know, you've got a YouTube channel that you start from your basement and obviously that's great, but that basement right there, actually right there. Oh, you're sitting there. That's awesome. But I think you've, been able to obviously inspire a lot of people because your youtube channel is a lot of great free information to people you know there's a coaching program but free how has someone actually ever come up to you and said man you've really helped me improve or change my life just because of the information that you put on the youtube channel have you been able to make that change in people yeah a lot more than i would have thought to be honest chat you know i literally started my youtube videos in my mom's basement this is a january 2019 so it was, you know, almost three years ago, I just had the idea. I thought it was going to help a lot of people, but I never would have expected the, the reception I ended up getting, you know, a few years later for the work that I did. I'll give you one example. I was interviewed once by a guy who owns an animal sanctuary. Like literally he's, he runs a nonprofit. There's a bunch of different animals, like pigs and chickens and dogs. It's like crazy. And he's like, hey, man, I've been watching your YouTube videos. It really helped me communicate what our sanctuary does a lot better. And I've been able to raise more money to help the animals. And I'm just listening to this guy like, and is this guy like actually a real human being? Like, I never would have thought in a million years that some guy who's running an animal sanctuary is watching my video so religiously. So it's very interesting to see the reception I have, but yes, I'm very grateful for the impact that we've created and we're just getting started. And I think that's the thing I'm the most excited about. Right. Absolutely. And that's, and to your point, you know, you never know who's watching. That's the thing. Like you set out with a market in mind, or you say these people may watch it, but there's so many people who need help in so many different areas. And, you know, you can make a difference just by talking and creating something and you never know who your market is, right? And who you make an impact. It's so good on you, man, for doing that. So tell me, what was it like when you started Master Talk, the startup here? I just want to know about that first year when you started out, you know, you've come a long way, obviously, but what was, what was it like in the first year of Master Talk, like creating the channel, creating the program as well at the same time? What was it like for you? Yeah, so I'd give two different answers there, Shad. So the first one is in regards to the YouTube channel. So the YouTube channel was very scared to start posting videos. And even if I had a lot of experience in communication, I was really afraid because I'd never really spoken on video. 
I didn't really know how to edit videos. And to your point, I was fairly young when I started. You know, I start, I made my first video when I was 22 on communication skills. So I had a lot of insecurities as well and imposter syndrome. But I think what helped me overcome that was I realized, hey, wait a second. Why does this matter? Why is this important to share? And at the beginning, it wasn't really about the executives. It was about the 15-year-old girl who couldn't afford me. That was the reason why I was so passionate about communication. And the focus was on making those lives better. Because a 15-year-old girl can't afford a communication coach, no matter how much she tried. And that's what really let me know that, hey, you should make these videos for that person. So that's what I always say, man. The fear of communication is always going to be there. It's kind of like a boxing match. One side of the ring is the fear. But the other side of the ring is your message. And the goal is not to eliminate the fear. The goal is to make sure that the message gets the knockout punch every single time. That's really the focus. So what are we doing to make sure that the message beats the fear? So was I scared to post my first video? Absolutely. Right. I was scared my whole life of communication. I grew up in a French education system and I didn't know how to speak French. So every presentation I gave, I didn't even know the language. Right. So we all have the challenges. But the message was so important that I needed to start making videos. That's one piece. On the business side, I was probably a lot more lost on that area. And I would say the simple answer to that is I got really lucky. I would say eight months into Master Talk, what ended up happening, I went to a guy's live event. Lewis House is his name. He has a podcast called School of Greatness. And I went to his live event, Summit of Greatness. And I met my business partner there. It was double my age. He's been in the coaching business for five, 10 years. And he coached me for free, just because he liked my videos. He was like, oh, you should think about doing this. And he helped me develop the product that ultimately allowed me to leave my corporate gig and do this full time. That's an awesome story, man. Like you go somewhere, you meet somebody and eventually becomes your business partner. And again, to your point of your YouTube channel or anything, you never know who you meet or how you sort of connect with somebody on the way, right? And that's an amazing startup for you. So tell me like, when you got your first client, your first paid client, and your first success story, this is again, two, two parts of the same question. What was it like when you got your first paid client, obviously, and seeing the first success story of your program? What were you feeling inside? How was it? Was it the biggest confidence boost that you needed for your career to start off? What was it like? What was the feeling that Brendan had inside at that point of time? Yeah, absolutely, man. I would say it was exciting, but also nerve wracking. So what happened is when I was at Lewis event, I made a guy who said, hey, could you coach me? He was, And I was like, sure. And he said, how much do you charge? And I said, uh, $100 an hour. And he just said, yeah, sure, that works. So I started coaching on calls and I had so much insecurity. I was like, oh my God, $100 an hour is so much money. Obviously, we charge a bit more than that these days. But at the beginning, I was like, Oh my God, that's like so expensive. But what I realized when, when working with him and helping him with this communication, also his life, frankly, I was coaching him in many different areas. It was kind of all over the place back then. Yeah, I think what I realized when working with him is information is free, but helping somebody else apply that information is what actually gets them results really quickly. And that guy actually surprisingly end up building a multiple seven-figure real estate portfolio. And he became really, really successful. He just made a decision to quit his job at Amazon 
And he just went for it. He did really well. So he probably gave it like a thousand bucks, probably total. We spent like 10 sessions together. And I, I'm not saying I was the reason he was able to do all of that, by the way. But, you know, he said, hey, you're a big piece of that, even if you know, I probably played a small piece. But it helped me understand the value of what I was doing. And that was probably the biggest milestone for me. And then after that, I started getting a lot more clients after that. It's the first client, right? That just sort of helps you move on. And were you thinking like, man, I'm so young. Am I able to coach this guy or this guy's like a real estate agent or something like well, you obviously had a lot of fears in your mind at the same time as well, right? Because you haven't done that. And and for a lot of people, it's like, you know, we talk about the imposter syndrome when we talk about other things. Was that on your mind at the same time? Or was your business partner a confidence boost for you? Because you knew someone senior was behind you. So the answer was both. So definitely, you know, my business partner, Vomsi, is an incredible you know, asset to, to what I do gives me that senior presence and he's, he's in his mid forties. But, but the other side of that is also true, which is I had a lot of imposter syndrome when I got started and I didn't really mind. And just so people understand this as well, I coached for many years before I started charging. Like I started coaching when I was 19, but I only started charging when I was around 23, 22 ish. So I've only been charging for three years, but I've been coaching for six years. So I had a lot of experience under my belt, Chad, but when I was interview, like coaching people for money, that's when a lot of my insecurities came up. Like, oh, I don't deserve this money. Why, why should I get all of this income for, for coaching people on a result? Or I'm not qualified to do this. But what I realized from that experience is the advice I have to share with folks is understand what imposter syndrome means or rather what an expert means. I'll give you an analogy. Where do you live right now? What city do you live in? I'm living in Adelaide. Australia. As Australia? Okay, cool. So let's say I came to Australia, right? I came to Adelaide and I said, hey, Chet, you know, could you show me around? Could you tell me where I should go? You'll probably tell me. You'll be like, hey, you should eat at this restaurant. You should go see these places. It's really nice. And you'll tell me a bunch of things to do. But you're not the expert of your city. You're not a tour guide. Your dad isn't the mayor of Adelaide. Same thing. If you came to Montreal where I live, and you'd say, hey, Brandon, what should I do? I'll probably tell you. I'll say, oh, you should go here. You should visit these places. These places are great. But I'm not the expert of my city. I'm not a tour guide. My dad's not the mayor of Montreal. Right. So what's the key takeaway? Why is it that with some pieces of information, we're very open about it? Oh, yeah, just go to this burger place. But when it comes to our expertise, the thing we spent years honing, we're scared to share that information. Why is there a dichotomy there? And the reason is to understand what being an expert means. Being an expert is not about having a master's degree or a PhD. Being an expert, in my opinion, simply means that you're one chapter ahead of the next person in that specific skill. So in the same way, you could probably teach me a thing or two about how to start a podcast how to interview guests, how to live in Australia, how to do business in Australia. I could probably teach you a thing or two about communication, storytelling, public speaking. So the goal is to always remember that you're always one chapter ahead of somebody in a skill or an asset. And your goal is to coach the person one chapter before you. That's it. Simple as that. That's why the advice 
to conquer imposter syndrome is start serving the people you're comfortable with. Don't you find it odd that parents give advice to their kids, but they never had kids? Why do they do that? Right? So there's only somebody that we're comfortable serving. Let's say my mom's giving me advice. What does she know? She's never had kids. I was the first born. Right? So why is she giving me advice? Simple. Because there's some people in our life that we are comfortable serving. So start with those people first. And there's a great quote on this. If you help one person, right, the world will give you permission to help everyone else. So I started with people who were younger than me, then people my age, then seniors, managers, until it went all the way up to the top. It's an amazing story. And I like the way you put it, you know, the one chapter ahead. And I can relate to that because I guess when I started as well, and I started very late making videos and trying to inspire people. And after I got inspired, obviously, uh, but yeah, it makes so much sense, you know, and I'm doing certain videos on my startup story now. My hope is, yeah, I've done that part. I've failed. I've learned from it. So let me put it out there so somebody can watch it and somebody can understand it and take my actual knowledge because I've gone through that. Maybe I'm not coaching them in the startup series, but I'm telling them what challenges I had and how they may face the same challenges, right? So I'm one chapter ahead. That's a really good way to put it, man. I really like that analogy. That's awesome. Cool. So let me go to the next one now. Now, this is an interesting one, right? And I've been trying to figure out because people are networking, obviously, and networking has changed. I know you were recently at a Russell Brunson event as well, but how are you networking in 2021, Brendan? And you being so young and doing what you're doing, are you able to sort of connect more with the younger crowd, you think, now? Or is the younger crowd looking for somebody a bit older and more mature in terms of thinking of the age factor because everyone's got a different perception of who they want to follow. Right. Uh, a lot of people want to follow experts who, who are 40, 45, 50, but I think looking at you and communicating with you over time, I think you've got that command on people and you've got that presence. So how are you networking now? And are the younger people a target of your networking as well? Yeah, for sure. But I think it's two great questions. I would say the first one, networking, I'll give you a tip that I always give people that will easily 10x your network. So all you have to do is make a list of your top 10 people, the top 10 people that you find the most interesting and write them down on a piece of paper. And then do the thing that most people don't do, which is introduce those people to each other. Make sure all of them know each other. So if everyone meets all the other amazing people in your network, what do they do? Well, they start introducing you to their top 10. That's the best way to upgrade your network. So for example, all my best people, except for maybe my business partner, I met through an introduction. Some friend of mine said, hey, you got to meet this person. And that person ended up being Billy, one of the people I, I do a lot of LinkedIn live shows with. I did a lot of little clubhouse rooms with. But if I never got that introduction, I don't think I ever would have met Billy. And I think that's also important to keep in mind. So that's one piece of it is building those relationships with people who you find the most interesting and tripling down on the people you already have. That's one piece of advice I have on networking that you can easily implement. The other piece of, of the question that you asked around, so you asked around networking and the other piece is the younger audience. I would say from my experience, there's definitely people who are older than me who listen to me because my oldest client is 57. But at the same time, 
I would say for the YouTube channel, it's definitely attracted more of a younger audience. But my perspective on this has never been I want to target this specific people or types of people, even if I would like younger people to watch it. I think for me, the perspective has always been, let's see who's resonating with the content and asking myself why. So part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast with you, Chet, is I'm also listening to why does Chet even care about Master Talk? Why is he even watching the videos? Why does he find them important? And that's why I do a lot of these podcasts because it all, it's also selfish for me. It helps me understand why the audience is even listening to me in the first place. And I'm able to adapt my content based on that. Absolutely. And to your point, the reason I, obviously my interest in you started because I've been doing this podcast to inspire more people, right? And when I saw Master Talk, it reminds me of a lot of people in India who, for example, don't actually have the money or the skills to communicate, but they also, again, you know, they don't have the money to invest in people. Having a great YouTube channel to watch without paying money is great for people back home because just for example, that's, we invest in ourselves. We can probably invest in a course or something, right? But a lot of people back home or in smaller countries, take India, Pakistan, wherever, they don't have these facilities, right? So uh, that was something that really took to me because I was like, man, you know, having so much free information out there, yes, you can obviously pay as a client, but the basics, getting the basics right you can watch a YouTube video and get the basics right. If you really want to scale up to another level, then yes, you go for training or whatever. But sitting there, you can actually watch something, be impacted by it and make a difference in your own life. That's one of the reasons what attracted me towards you and obviously seeing your content. So yeah, hopefully that that resonates with you as well. And that's why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, awesome. So tell me, was it hard growing up with the communication skills you had when you were young versus today you're confident you've got a great grasp on your communication. How hard was it for you growing up without being able to communicate the way you do now? And I'm assuming that's how you were, right? Like you weren't as good a communicator as you are today because I was reading you started in college, if I'm not mistaken, working in communication skills. So was it really hard being where you are today versus when you were there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And just, to, just so people get this as well, Chad, I, I grew up in a city called Montreal in Canada. In Montreal, you need to know how to speak French or else you can't really do well in the city. So my parents made a choice to send me to French school, which, of course, made, made perfect sense so that I know the language. But I didn't know how to speak it. So from the ages of five all the way up to 17, not only was I uncomfortable with presentations, I had to present in a language I didn't even know. So I'd go up to people and go, uh, bonjour. And that was my life for pretty much 10, 12 years. So yeah, definitely saying that I, I was challenged with communication is an understatement. I was really struggling with my communication skills, primarily because I was speaking in a language I had a lot of difficulty with. But over time, I was able to, to get through that. And to your point, master my communication skills in college. But I think the lesson that I think people can learn from this is I don't really believe great speakers are born. I think great speakers are created over a series of experiences in their life in the same way that leaders, when we think about leadership, leaders aren't born. They're created right over a series of experiences in the life. And I think the same is true with effective communication. We just got to figure out what those tools are. Right. That does make sense. You know, and then 
it's obviously working on anything you got to work over time you got to develop those skills and sort of achieve your goals uh, yeah that's a good one i like that and you're such you're probably the perfect example because you walk the talk you've done it you were from a position where you didn't know the language or you couldn't communicate in the way you had to versus today you're like you know everything comes to you easily but you worked on it right you worked hard for it you made you got your mindset right and you said this is what i want not just sitting there and saying oh it'll all come to me so that's that's a that's a great point for a lot of people as well i guess because you need to have the right mindset right if you don't have the right mindset you're not going to sort of move forward absolutely so tell me now this is something right now when your family look back at how you were and how you started you know i guess your mom is looking at she put you in a french school or to speak french she saw your youtube channel start from nothing do they look back and laugh at those times and they say like wow man look at the difference what you where you've come today like they're obviously going to be very proud how do they react to you today versus the brendan when he was 10 or 12 or even 5 years old yeah definitely i mean my parents you know thankfully to me i got lucky i guess they're proud of me so i'm glad i got supportive parents but i think that the interesting part was how different i pivoted because in- initially i want i went to school to be an accountant right that was the first rule that i want because i was really good at math and i was really bad at everything else and i did really well you know i landed a great job at price waterhouse coopers and i was there for a year and a half and then after that i said ah oh, mom i don't want to be an accountant i want to be a management consultant so i got a job at ibm which was amazing once again you know my salary pretty much doubled life was pretty amazing but then when i told my mom i wanted to quit that to start a business that's when she was like to do what and i was like oh i make i make youtube videos she's like wait what and she started she was really confused at the beginning now she's my biggest fan she watches every single video i post but especially given our heritage right south asian you know you're either a lawyer a doctor or an engineer or a loser right you get to pick which one and i think the and that's the challenge right luckily for me i picked accounting which is falls under one of those categories but you know because i pivoted it was really challenging but i think the reason why my mom accepted it is because i made the right decisions over time right like i saved up a lot of money before i left my corporate job i had already done a lot in sales in the corporate business so i didn't take any risk but but yeah it was it was definitely a difficult conversation but they're they're pretty proud today i can just imagine right being south asian and starting a youtube channel and doing things which go against the norm and especially in those days like absolutely your parents would be like what are you doing i remember getting into hospitality and that was some my parents were very supportive of it but when i did i spent a little time in working one of the resorts and then i wanted to again go up and be a wait staff as i was starting my journey my parents were also like you struggle for 3 years and you want to go back to starting off as a wait staff you know uh, and we call it a waiter back home you don't call it anything else right that's the exact term that you use uh but i've been lucky my parents have been supportive but yeah i can imagine like everybody wants you to be the best of the best and if you're not a doctor if you're not a lawyer or if you're not something really big then you haven't really made it back home but it's changing now that's what i love people are evolving back home or most south asian countries that's a great journey that you've had as well tell me about the suit shop owner though because you're doing your videos from and i can't pronounce 
the suit shop name to be honest <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do it for you yeah <laughs> but what about this gentleman or lady whoever owns the suit shop uh, how they've seen your journey as well and i guess they've played a really big part in your journey because they've given you that space how are they reacting to you because that's somebody just sitting across and you're renting a space or you're just sitting in their space and uh, using a little space to create videos but how is their reaction because it's i'm so curious to know about this person whoever owns that shop what is their reaction to brendan of today yeah for sure i mean i saw him a few days ago it's so what happened is so the the place is called maison le parem which is in french and it just means a suit shop house and and le parem is just a name it's like a brand like nike or something and the story behind this is my one of my best friends danny he's a whiz in like video and editing. He like knows all that stuff that I really don't care about, but he loves, right? Super passionate about it. So I actually showed him my first YouTube video before I started posting videos. So before I posted, I actually went to see him and I said, what do you think? You think I can make a YouTube channel? He watched my video and he was like, yeah, I think you're pretty good on camera, man. Why don't you just keep practicing? And he gave me a lot of pointers. So I kept doing that in my basement And then a few months went by and I saved up a lot of money from IBM. And after eight or nine months, I went up to him and I said, hey, look, I got a proposition. I don't want to figure this stuff out on camera. I need somebody to do this for me so I can focus on writing really good content and the thought leadership. And he just looked at me and he said, "Okay, let's give it a shot. And I was like, where should we film? So I think I got an idea. So I get I get to this place. I knock on the door. I open. I'm like, oh my God, what is this place? Like a beautiful suit shop. I was like, holy crap, where did you get this? He's like, oh, my friend's the owner. He said we could just film here. I was like, well, that's awfully convenient. So I sat there, I started presenting and then he just looked at me and he's like, wow, you're really good at this. I think we could just keep going. And then we just did and we never looked back, you know, two years, two years and a half now later but i think the the story is the the owner is pretty he's just really relaxed and and i and i guess i have the link at the bottom too so he's really happy i mean i was talking to him the other day so he's really got a nice guy named colin he's always wearing a nice suit but yeah i think i think the the advice there the key takeaway for people from that story is it's not about how it's about who so it's not about how do you solve this problem but rather who can solve this problem for you and i think that's how the best entrepreneurs think so i never asked myself how can i edit videos or how can i do this because i don't want to do that right it's not my expertise instead i asked myself who who is the person in my network who can edit these videos and how can i create a win-win relationship where they want to do this for me and same thing with the suit shop right that he just happened to have that relationship so yeah focus on who not just how right and it comes back to saying you know pulling the right people in the right position doing the right job you don't have to be the ceo of every company right there are other people who can do a better job at certain things you do what you do best and you put smart people doing what they do best because it's all about moving forward right and yeah it makes so much sense because i guess when i started my career as well brendan i was afraid of letting other people do certain things that i could do because i was insecure you know this was in hospitality i was like he'll take my job or he'll cross me versus once i started getting into doing what i'm doing today and as i became a manager over time i started realizing you've got smarter people doing better jobs than you at certain things you do what you do best you if you know how to manage you manage and you get people to do your job 
the same thing with you, right? You're not wasting your time getting into editing or something or looking for location. You know people who are better at what they do and you just focus on what you do best. And that's how you move forward, right? You want to be the business owner. You want to be the leader. You don't want to sit there and say, okay, I got to do this. I got to do that and do a half half job and everything and not really sort of move forward. So yeah, hopefully for a lot of people, it's a, it's a great learning, you know, putting the right people in the right place and, that's exactly what entrepreneurship is about. Absolutely, brother. So tell me something again. What is, if I sit here talking to you today and someone's watching this, what is the impact of having great communication skills in someone's life? How can it change someone's life from being sitting at home, no skills, no idea how to talk to people versus having great communication skills and I guess that can really get you through a lot of challenges and barriers, even if you're not good at doing something. So how, how does communication skills impact someone's life, according to you? Absolutely. I mean, so, I mean, when people interview Warren Buffett and they ask Warren, what is the best, right? One of the best investors of all time, of course. What, what is the best investment you have made? He always replies with my, in myself. Right? I took a Dale Carnegie public speaking course many years ago, and that's what led to his success. And the reason he says that is because communication is the catalyst of literally anything that you want to do. If you want to be an artist, you want to communicate your work in a way that where people go, wow, I want to buy this piece of work. If you want to start dating, you got to get really good at communication, convince the other person of how interesting you are. If you want to sell more, you got to communicate well too. If you want to have better relationships with your family and avoid some conflict resolution, well, or get more conflict resolution and less conflict, communication is also the catalyst for that. So communication is really the backbone of everything that you do. And how I phrase this to people is even if you're 10% or 20% better at communication than everyone else in your industry, you'll stand out 100% of the time. So even if you're just incrementally better at communication, you'll always stand out all the time because all of you sell the same thing, all of you have the same skill set, but because one is able to stand out more through communication skills, you pay more attention to that individual. So that's why I encourage all of you, even if you have no ideas, no passion yet, you haven't really figured it out, master communication earlier in life because once you find that idea, you'll be able to propel that idea much faster to what you want to achieve. Yeah, that does make sense. And do you have like, who's your youngest student that you have? Or is there, because, you know, in India, I've seen people who are 15, 14, 13, starting in this uh, world, starting to improve their communication and grow from one level to another level. Do you have somebody who, who's probably really young, just like you were and starting out? Have you met somebody like that? Or are you mentoring somebody who's, who's really young uh, to another hey. level? You might be surprised to hear that my youngest client is actually six years old, not uh, not 14 or wow. 15. So what, I, so what I do essentially is most of my clients are executives, right? They're managers at Amazon or they're executives in companies or they're entrepreneurs who are doing really well in their business. But there's one other thing that we do, another service we provide, mostly as a give back, Chad which is we coach our clients as kids on their communication skills too. So one of my executives at a, at a company, his kid is like, she's six years old. So we were like, yeah, sure. Let's just coach her on her communication. And she's amazing. Phenomenal. Right. She just needed some encouragement, some help. And, and the reason I do the coaching, the kids 
not really for the money. It's really for the psychology. Because if I can coach a kid on how to be a better communicator, I can coach anyone on how to be an exceptional communicator. Because I'm telling her, hey, this is a presentation. She goes, eh, what's a presentation? So I have to even explain that to her in like a very patient, happy, fun way. And that would be the, 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 the key. So yeah, it's been a fun journey and it's really made me a much better facilitator. That's amazing. I think it's always easier to train adults even though they've got their own mindset versus training a kid because, you know, half the things are not important to them. If it's of no interest, they don't really pay any attention. So yeah, that, that's really a, that's an amazing concept that you have. You know, you're, you're training clients, but you're also making the effort and you're building relationships by making sure it's extended out to their kids. And, you know, right. who would be more happier, like as a client, if you're taking care of my family as well, you know, so that's, that's, that's a good one <laughs> i have yeah, to say that's a really man. smart move man yeah oh it wasn't me man it's my business part i can't take credit for that i can take credit for the curriculum and the way i coach and my expertise but the idea was totally his but it's a combination of people right you're both of you are putting in different ideas and making it work that's the whole goal right you're again Absolutely. you're good at something and he's good at something so that's the whole point of how you move forward it's a good one, dude. I'm going to remember that one for sure. <laughs> I might steal that idea sometime. Uh, I don't recommend it, Chet. There's the pros and cons. You have to really like kids. Like, I love kids. That's why it's uh-huh. easy. But for most people, man, that's not a good idea. Maybe get them a gift card. And I used to work in hospitality, and sometimes I'd be taking care of 20, 30 kids in a resort. And uh, right. I used to, But I used to lose it sometimes as well, but I just had to be patient because I used to tell them, stop shouting, stop running sometimes. You know, they're running in the restaurant. And they just look at me like, we don't really care what you're saying. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm quite a patient person in that sense. Yeah, but we'll see. But that's a really good one that you've told us today. Yeah. All right. So tell me something. Was there someone who played a role model in your life? Like, I'm sure there are people who you've been inspired by. But if you take one person out of the many people, who was that one role model that you really looked up to or followed or someone who actually played a part in your life to help you? be where you are today, Brendan. I mean, there's so many, you know, my mom's one of them, my sister, you know, the people around me. If I had to pick one though, is I'll pick someone that people can actually look up so they can learn from him too, is a guy named Scott Harrison, right? Scott Harrison's the CEO of a nonprofit called Charity Water. And I'm super inspired by what he did. And I would say the biggest lesson I got from him is don't waste your time. Just focus on contribution. I think that was the biggest lesson. Whereas his story in a nutshell, he was a nightclub promoter in New York City, did lots of money, did real, really successful in his early 20s, promoted all the top clubs in New York, multiple six figures, had a BMW, his girlfriend was on Vogue, had a Rolex watch, like he had everything. But he was the worst human being he knew. Like he hated himself and he hated his life. So when he was in his late 20s, He took a a ship called Mercy Ships and he started uh, being a volunteer for that organization. That's what led to his nonprofit and what he ended up building. And there's a great quote from his book and in his interviews that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. And the quote is, the goal is not to live forever, but rather create something that will. And that always stuck with me. I was like, wow, what can I do? What can I contribute that will last forever? I could buy any expensive thing that I want. If, I, if that was the goal, right? Oh, I should buy this car. I should buy this house. But that stuff won't live forever. But contribution, the things that you do, the knowledge you create, the impact that you make, 
that's the magic that lasts even a hundred years after you're dead. So that's when I realized from Scott's world, I was like, you know what, Brendan, I probably shouldn't waste time doing all these things people in our twenties do and instead go straight to being more mature, getting really, you know, focused on what I wanted to do and go straight to the impact, which is what I did. So but Scott Harrison was a big uh, play in, in that for me. Yeah, that's a that's a great quote by Scott as well. I guess, look at the future, right? It's not just about you. It's about not even your legacy, but what do you leave behind so the future generation can use to sort of grow as well? Uh, yeah, that's a really good one as well. I haven't heard of Scott Harrison, to be honest. So definitely going to look up this gentleman and try to discover a bit more about him. Thank you for that. Of course. Now tell me, an incident that changed the direction of your life. I don't know if you're comfortable telling us anything or, or personal or professional. What was something that probably you were heading in this direction and something that happened or someone said something to you that really put you in another direction? Uh, oh, yeah. There's many of them. And by the way, you could ask me anything, man. I'm pretty open book. I would say for me... The, there was a bunch of those moments. I would say the one that sticks out to me recently was the decision to leave my corporate job. That was a really difficult decision for me that really changed my destiny and what I ended up doing because all of my identity was wrapped into getting that job. This was literally the sequence of events, Chet. I started with no money, broke, no network. Nobody knew who I was. Parents made minimum wage. And the goal was to use education to get out of poverty. Right. The best way to get money is really education, right? Get a nice corporate job as a programmer or, you know, an accountant or a doctor, because that's there's no risk. You just need to be good enough to do the job and you just do it. So that's what I did. I went to university. I practiced all these case competitions, coached all these people on communication to be a YouTuber. No way. No, to get a job at a, at a Fortune 500, be an executive there. That was the goal. And I did it. Right. I, I you know, I got paid very well to join IBM. They offered me a huge bonus to stay, but I made the decision to let go of that part of who I was, where I was making six figures easily, right? I went from literally, my mom went from like no money at all to now she's retired, lives life to the fullest, doesn't have to do anything and just enjoys working in the garden every day only because of that job, right? And letting that go to cut my salary in half to pursue master talk was a very hard challenge, not necessarily just because of the money, but mostly because of identity. Cause that's what I was known as. I was known as the super talented consultant who got a job at this company. So yeah, I would say that was, that was a real turning point, but you know, as Tony Robbins says that it is in the moments of decision that our destiny is shaped. So I made the decision and I said, you know what, this is work. So let's make it work and burn the ships. And that's what I did. And I haven't regretted it ever since. Amazing story, man. And I think for a lot of people, it's always, especially now after the pandemic hit, you know, a lot of people have left their corporate jobs. So they're trying to leave that and get into something else. And that's the change. That's the direction they wanted. And yeah, you did it obviously a long time ago, but pretty inspiring. Oh, not a long time ago, man. I quit three months ago. Oh, was it three months? Yeah, it's only wow. three I months. thought you did that a long time ago. Okay. Well, very recent then. <laughs> I, I did that about a year and a half ago, I think, uh, when I decided to move into something else because I've been working for hospitality for so long and I wanted to do something by myself. Uh, 
but it's a great feeling, right? I feel so free now. Like I just think I can do things very differently because I'm my own boss and I can try, I can experiment. Just feel like a more free man working for myself rather than corporates now. Great one. All right. So I've got a couple of more last questions just to go through. So a piece of wisdom that you would give to anybody wanting to be a better communicator tomorrow or someone following in your footsteps, what would be that one piece of advice that you could give them today? Absolutely, Ben. So my piece of advice is a question because most of communication is surrounded by negativity and surrounded by hate and stress and anxiety. So this question diffuses all of that. The question is, how would the world change if you were an exceptional communicator? How would the world change if you, who's listening, was an exceptional communicator? How would it change your life? How would it change the people around you and the way you lead with your relationships with them? How would it change with the impact that you're making? And how would it change with the number of people that you get to impact? Reflect on that question. Spend a good 10 minutes, 15 minutes just thinking that question over. And what you'll realize when you look at your answer is it'll have nothing to do with the fear. It'll have nothing to do with the stress, but rather what communication is actually for, which is helping other people, right? which is helping other people through a podcast like this. Imagine if I was a terrible communicator uh, through a podcast like this versus because we're great communicators. We're able to impact more lives through mediums like podcasts, but write all the reasons because for you, it might not be a podcast. Maybe you don't want to be this, you know, this big YouTuber, whatever for you, it might just be, you know, I get to talk to my wife more and I'll have less arguments, find the reasons that are unique to you. And I think that'll inspire you to get to the next level. Absolutely. It's not about the big things. Sometimes just small things adding up together as well. Uh, yeah. I think for a lot of people, hopefully they're watching this and really something to think about, right? Uh, I think we live in a world where everyone talks about do big, do great things versus you forget the basics, right? Get the basics right. Have your basic communication out there, right? And everything else will sort of fall in place or at least you'll figure it out, right? Life's not perfect. It's just how you make life, right? Uh, cool. So the last question, and this is something I just want you to summarize the story till now and maybe tell me where you're heading next, right? What's your next goal or where you're heading? Absolutely, man. I think let me start with how grateful I am with what we've done so far. I mean, I pinched myself. It's crazy how I went from getting this amazing job at 22 to leaving that at 25 to coaching all the incredible people I get to on a day-to-day -day basis. It's kind of crazy, right? To see uh, the YouTube channel, like me and my cousins kind of look back and go, wow, this thing is like, doesn't have 15 subscribers anymore, but rather a couple more zeros next to that 15. So it's pretty, it's pretty nuts and a bit surreal. So I'm, I'm grateful for it every day. You know, I found the right business partners and I get to travel all the time now. So life is good. So I think for me, the, the big vision that I have for my life is I think the next Elon Musk is a seven-year-old girl who can't afford me. So my mission is how do I bring the message of Mass Truck to more people? That means getting more clients, growing the business. So I have more financial resources to pour into master talk. So I would say the things I'm the most excited about is when, you know, I, I start doing really well in my business. Mm -hmm. I can reinvest a lot of that into paid traffic, get more people in India specifically, 
not really to buy services, but really splash India so that all of them can start following the YouTube channel. Because that's where I see a day when MasterTalk has a million or 10 million subscribers, when pretty much everyone, every future Elon Musk that we don't know who is, is growing up watching those YouTube videos. And I think that's the most exciting part about the vision that I'm striving towards. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, that, that'd be awesome, you know, just to see and the impact you can make. And to my point, you know, it's always about, can you make an impact in people's lives? That's what I've always worked on. And if you're able to do what you're saying or even get, start that process, the amount of people you can make an impact with, the amount of lives you can touch in some way or the other, would be amazing, man. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was awesome having you on this podcast. Uh, it's getting to know a bit more about you. And hopefully my whole goal is always to inspire more people coming on the way, right? So thank you so much, Brendan. If anybody wants to get in touch with Brendan, he's on LinkedIn, get in touch with him. Uh, go to his YouTube channel. I'll put the link below as well. But again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. It was awesome having you, learning more about you. Thank you. Pleasure is absolutely mine, Chet. Thanks for having me.